it's funny, this is a little bit tweaked, the word that I uh, shared at the Journey Church a few weeks ago. And I, I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do with it. And I got to the point where I was going to talk something else, but I couldn't get it out of my heart when I prayed. Then the Lord gave me some scriptures, and then I got excited about it. And I got it kind of in the context of some prayers about Christmas time. And I'm not sure if I've properly connected the message to the season or not. So you can discern that yourselves. I'll just tell you what I, what I think the Lord gave me. Um, first, we start quickly with Christmas. It's funny, I thought I knew what Christmas was, right? Christmas is a, is a birthday celebration. But I did some study, and Christmas has like been a million different things over the years. When it originally was um, the Christian celebration of Christmas was more like Mardi Gras, than what we know today is Christmas, and, and what we know culturally today is Christmas is really not a birthday party anymore. It's really, um, I don't know what it is. It's not bad that we buy gifts for each other, but if it were my birthday, and this was my birthday party, you might bring me a gift, but you probably wouldn't get Shirley a gift for my birthday, right? Now you might, because you're a really nice guy, but, but generally when it's somebody's birthday, the birthday person gets the gift, not everybody that comes to the party. But I think Jesus' heart would be that he would rather see you be blessed than him be blessed. My challenge would be for us is, and it was weird when I was praying about this message and this kept coming up in my heart is like, man, the last thing you want to do is mess with people's Christmas. Because it's, it's a nice time of year. But the one thing we should do is remember that it's a birthday party. And it's, it's probably not actually the day that Jesus was born, but it's Jesus' birthday party. And we used to buy, I mean, so many presents it was stupid. Money, 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 money for stuff that nobody needed, that most of it never got used, for the sake of having lots of presents. What I challenge you with is this year, buy one less in your normal circle and move that to someone who doesn't necessarily have the opportunity to have a present at Christmas time. I know there's a family in our in our little church body that's decided to adopt a family in their neighborhood that they're just going to provide Christmas for them. And I think if we were to ask Jesus, what could we get you for your birthday? He'd say, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I had no place to go, you brought me in. When I was in prison, you visited me. So I think that's how he would ask for a present. So that's number one on Christmas. Number two on Christmas, be wise. We're going to talk a little bit about worldly influence tonight. The world would tell you that if you don't go into debt for Christmas and buy your kids all kinds of stuff, that, that you're not a good parent. I heard a statistic the other day that 12 million American families are still paying for 2007's Christmas as they push the credit card out for 2008 Christmas. My guess is that wasn't things that people had to have. They were wants and not needs. They were, they were trying to please people through giving. And you, it is better to give than to receive. But it's, it's best to be wise when you give. So be conscious that you don't have to spend 
I don't even know what a big Christmas would be for, for people. A million dollars, a thousand dollars, a hundred dollars. It's not about what you spend. So be wise. We don't want anybody struggling with, how am I going to pay groceries because I had to get my kid the super-duper Wii Nintendo because the neighbor kid had it and he felt less than and I could only afford the regular Nintendo thing. Okay? So tonight, the, the gist of the message, and I, I thought it was about this, it came to me in terms of like advertising and marketing, and it grew into music and entertainment, movies, television. And then I started to realize what I think the Lord wants us to, to consider tonight is that there's this thing going on, and there's, there's good and there's evil. Um, the Bible talks about the devil as the power of the prince of the air, right? And how much influence do we get through the air, right? Um, radio waves, television signals, uh, all those kind of things. I don't know if that's a good connection or not, but, but the, the devil, the power of the prince of the air, is trying to influence us through all these different ways. And if you look at them, they're, they're amazingly effective. And then you have, on the other hand, you have God who's trying to influence us through his truth and his word. I um, will talk a, a bit about business and advertising and marketing, but it's important to understand that business isn't bad. Right? If it weren't for businesses, none of us would have... That's how we transact. It's how we trade. It's how we barter now in our world. So business isn't necessarily bad. And marketing and advertising is not necessarily evil. But we need to understand that generally, there are benevolent businesses out there. But generally, when somebody is developing a marketing campaign or an advertising campaign, it's to serve their interests, not yours. It's to influence you into something that maybe you have no need for. But because their business have to grow and shareholders have to be satisfied, they'll find ways to get you to buy things that you don't need. Um, I did a little bit of research on marketing. And that there was page after page after page of effective marketing things and objectives and, and goals and processes. And, and after you read through the whole thing and got to the end, the thing that was missing was there was no compulsion to communicate truth. There was not a single word, not a sentence, not a thought that indicated that while you're doing all this other stuff to influence people to buy your, your thing, be honest with them. You know, project it as it really is. It's not in there. There's no compulsion towards truth. So you should be aware of that. There were some, um, some slogans that I saw. Uh, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in the pan, and never let you forget you're a man. If you're a woman with a career, I don't begrudge you a career at all. But that advertising campaign was to sell something. But it created in a woman's mind the fact that she's less than. If she can't get up in the morning, go to work, bring home the bacon, fry it up in the pan, and never let you forget you're a man. Well, that's a pretty tall order. And families have been broken because culture taught women that they're not really complete if they're not doing all these things. Children end up latchkey, daycare, all kinds of different less than situations because somebody was trying to, I can't remember what they're trying to sell, but somebody's trying to sell something and they use this kind of influence to do it. Um, you've come a long way, baby. Some of you might be old enough to remember that. I just heard about it. People told me. Read about it on the internet. 
But You Come a Long Way Baby was a marketing campaign to try to get women to identify with a certain brand of cigarettes. And back in the late 60s when this campaign started, it was really targeted towards young women, really young women. And they went back and they did a study to figure out the effectiveness of the campaign. And over the first six years of You've Come a Long Way Baby, smoking among 12-year-old girls increased 110%. It was very effective. It wasn't good for those girls, but it was very effective. They're influential. We have to be conscious of how they work. Again, they're not evil necessarily, but they're trying to influence you, and you need to be conscious of it so that you'll make decisions that are good for you, not necessarily good for them. They use this process called associative marketing. It seems like I'm picking on cigarettes and teenage girls tonight. And what they want to do, and you see it prevalently with athletes, with um, maybe you remember the Marlboro Man, right? If the Marlboro Man were a sissy, they wouldn't sell a lot of cigarettes to men because men wouldn't necessarily want to associate with that. They want to associate with this strong, virile, cowboy kind of guy. So they, they try to understand through what they call psychographic analysis how you perceive yourself versus how you want to be perceived. And then they build these campaigns um, to help you to associate their product with that thing which you want to be. And this, the second one that I looked at was for, again, it was girls, um, teenage-aged girls. And the two issues that they struggled with the most were, and it's weird, they seem uh, diametrically opposed. One is rebelliousness. And the second is need to fit in. But it's rebelliousness towards their parents, right? When you're going through that, that age of life where you're trying to find your own identity, you tend to rebel a little bit. So they built their marketing campaigns around attracting to this rebellious spirit that was in the teenagers and then also this need to fit in. So they'll show... I don't know what cool is, but they'd show the cool kids in a certain thing so that you'd want to associate with them that way. So be conscious when you see Michael Phelps or whoever might be someone that you could associate with, that they're doing that to cause you to think in a certain way. <laughs> I don't have time to talk about fashion, but just think about fashion. I, I, and I don't want to step on anybody's uh, way you dress, but... Last year's blue jeans came with no holes in them, but this year's blue jeans, you can buy them pre-ripped and worn out. And you do that because they only show you the models in this year's blue jeans. So you buy, I mean, they, they're so not creative. Bell-bottoms, right? If you just held on to your bell-bottoms long enough, they'd come back into fashion. But they have to sell you blue jeans even if your blue jeans aren't worn out. So they, they have to come up with some way to, to cause you to buy more, to buy new. And we spend money we don't need to spend and then, I hate to say this, but there's people that don't eat and we can't help them because we spend money we didn't need to spend on blue jeans because this year's got to have a rip in the knee and shoot, mine are like, they don't have any holes in the knees. So pre-rip your own blue jeans and feed somebody that's hungry. <laughs> that's free. That wasn't actually in my message. I'm, I digress. It, it's also in music. It's in movies. It's in television. If you watch television it's only a vehicle to sell advertising that's all it's for anything like that is is a vehicle to sell advertising so understand the influence that's coming okay let's move on wisdom and truth from the bible to help us the flip side of that i'm going to go fast through some scriptures um 
and then tell you what I think the Lord is saying to us in this context out of these scriptures. The first is 2 Timothy 4, and I'll start in verse 2 instead of verse 1. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. The world is going to preach its message to you. The power of the prince of the air is going to use every vehicle at his disposal to influence the way you think. God gives us his word. So we're to preach the word, to hear the word. That's how God is getting his agenda across in the world today through us. It's the word. Okay? So the word is truth. The power of the prince of the air is going to use every device that he can to influence us, influence us in a different way. Verse 3, for the time will come, this will resonate with you, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Two dynamics there. First is, we don't want to hear what we don't want to hear. If I'm a single guy and I have a girlfriend and I have desires, I don't want somebody to tell me I can't do that. I want them to tell me that it's okay to do what my flesh wants to do, not what I don't want to do. The second dynamic is that there are people for their own aggrandizement, for numerous reasons, that are going to want to satisfy my need to hear what I want to hear. So the second part is that they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And even well-intentioned people will succumb to this urge to tell you what you want to hear. And it happens in church. It certainly happens with politicians that tell you what you want to hear. You don't press them to, to, to explain exactly how they're going to do that. And then they end up in a position of authority and don't do what it is they said they were going to do because they could never at the begin- they could never from the gate anyway. So um, be conscious that you're searching for that which is truth, not that which satisfies your flesh. And be aware that if you search for that which satisfies your flesh, somebody will find a way to present it to you in a way that you'll think is okay. Um, And then if we skip down to verse 5, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. During hardship is when time... Is, the, is, is when you're the most susceptible to being influenced away from the Lord. And I'm not making a political commentary, but there was no better time for somebody other than the sitting president or the sitting party or the sitting influence to be elected into office in the United States because times are hard. And you can always preach against the problem before you have to present the solution. And if you looked at the, and I'm not saying President that, that it wasn't God's will that that President-elect Obama is the new president of the United States. I'm just saying that it wouldn't have been as easy for him to come in and be president if he didn't come at a time when there was great hardship. So be conscious of the times when the messages are coming to you, because during hard times we tend to be willing to grab onto anything that we think might change our pain. Um, 2 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you. You will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. 
Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. It's amazing how God knew, and he taught us to be careful for these things. Just in those scriptures, false prophets, that many would follow their sensuality, and in their greed, these people will exploit us. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. These are the scriptures that speak to the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Our strength is in the Lord's might. Our strength is not in our own selves. Our ability to withstand the guiles of the enemy are not our own. It's the Holy Spirit inside us. It's God's strength that is our strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We stand firm in the full armor of God. I'm not going to talk about all the armor tonight, but you should read these scriptures and you should understand what they are. The armor of God is important for us in a time like this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Understand, the struggle will manifest itself through people, but the issue is not the person. The issue is the spirit that's influencing the person. So if there's a person in your life that brings you pain, if you can see past the person that God created to be beautiful in his image, to the influence that's causing that person to be that way, it's much easier for you to partner with the Lord to help that person to get right, and then your problem takes care of itself. So the issue is not the person, it's the influence on the person. Skip forward to verse 14. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The answer for us is truth. It's interesting that tonight there was um, somebody got delivered of a pornographic, a perverse spirit. And, and that, that of all the places, and I'm sure every one of them has purpose why God would have the breastplate or the sword, in this case, the loins being girded with truth, especially men. That if, if you look in um, like poetry and, and prose and verse, the, the loins are, are the area around the sexual organs. And God speaks of truth, binding up truth in that area where we're most vulnerable, that the devil would try and be so successful to draw us away from the Lord is in that area of sexual wrongness. And God tells us that that's the area that we gird up with truth. Truth is critical. If we're ignorant of, the biblical, of biblical truth, then we'll be lost to the guiles of the enemy. Um, last verse in this that I want to talk about is verse 16. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Faith is absolutely critical. If you, if you look outside of faith at your situation then you'll look outside of God for the answer. If, if the problem that you see, the perfect example is the person versus the influence on the person. If there's a person that's tormenting you and all of your attention is focused on the person, you're, you're walking by sight because the word tells you that by faith, the issue is not the person. It's the spirit behind the person, the influence on the person. So in hard times, in pressure-filled times. It's interesting. Um, I bet you most, at least women, would say that the holidays are the most stressful time of the year for them. 
It's supposed to be the most joyful time of the year, but it's the most stressful because of all the demands that are placed on them. In times of stress, we have to walk by faith because if you walk by sight, what you'll see is not the issue and you won't seek God for the resolution. All right. So, a little bit more will be done. This is a battle. It's being fought in and for our minds. That's what the thing is. is how, do, how do you think? How you think is how you will act. Um, the objective is, in large part, to control your identity. Who do you associate yourself with? Just like the marketing, associative marketing. You have to associate yourself with the Lord. You have to associate yourself with what he tells you you are. Not what the world tells you you are. Not with what you see of yourself compared to somebody else. Look in the word. See what it says. That's who you are. The enemy is spirit influencing people. It's not people. The enemy is crafty. He uses culture and the media to influence us. The plan is to express, you know what, we're, I hope we're all spirit-filled Christians, born again, but we still have flesh. And the enemy will try to exploit us in our flesh, in our greed, in our selfishness, in our insecurity. You've got to have a better car, but there's nothing wrong with my car. But you've got to have a better car. Look what your neighbor drives. He'll go at you at the places where your flesh is weak. There's only one truth that's found in God's word. We're lost if we don't know and follow God's word. The Bible says not just to be a knower, but to be a doer of the word. So there's, there's more than just knowledge. There's action. You have to actually use that spirit of discipline that you have to walk out what the word says. God warns us of what we're seeing today. We don't need to be deceived or surprised. It wasn't, none of this is a surprise to the Lord. He saw it coming. I think personally, this isn't, this isn't the Holy Spirit speaking through me necessarily. It's just my personal opinion that the Lord is allowing us to be shaken right now because we've gotten to a place of self-dependence. We have not looked after each other. And he's putting us in a place where we both will have to be dependent on another person and giving to another person because we won't unless he shakes us. Our flesh is too strong. So that's my personal opinion, why a lot of what we're seeing is happening is the Lord, at least in his church, is going to have us understand that we are our brother's keeper. Absent of intimacy with the truth, which is found in God's word, will be like lemmings. Lemmings don't actually do this, but the story of the lemming is that they're walking along the cliff, and if the first one walks off the edge, the rest just follow them over the cliff. Because the guy in front of me did it. I'm just chasing. I almost said something bad. I'm just following the guy in front of me. And he went over the cliff and I went too. So be intimate with the truth. The truth is found in the word. I, I, I feel like a broken record. And, and maybe I'm preaching to the choir. But if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not constantly bathing yourself in God's word, you need to. That's where your freedom's going to come from. Because the truth is found in his word. The Holy Spirit will illuminate it to you. And you'll get revelation. God's made a way for us to stand and not be swayed by the guiles of the enemy. God's way is first, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Second is the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. You do not have to succumb to any sin if you have the Holy Spirit. There is no power of evil that can overcome the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And the third is his word that's a light to our path. Romans 12 and 2 says, and be not confused. This is for you. 
And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In the Holy King James Version, you will be conformed to what you embrace. If you expose yourself and embrace the things of the world, you will be conformed to the ways of the world. If you will embrace the Lord and His Word and what He teaches, you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, at the end of the day, be aware. I'm not trying to condemn, well, I probably should, many of the ways of the world, but I'm trying to make sure that you're aware, that you understand that there's these things that are going on, that you're going to have impulses to do things that are unwise, that are ungodly, or just stupid. And it'll be because somebody is really, really good at understanding how to influence the way you think. So think like God thinks, read his word, pray, worship him, be the very best reflection of Jesus that you can possibly be, and all this stuff does not need to be a problem for us. Okay? All right. So... I forgot to take the offering again, but you can't leave yet. So let me just pray real quick. We'll take the offering, and then you guys are free to go. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, I just I can't tell you how much we just so badly want your presence. And I know you're here, Lord, but I know there's more. I just know there's more. So, Father, thank you for your, your word. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your love. Thank you for everything that you are. We purpose to honor you and to love you and to obey you and to be your people. Also, Lord, this is your offering. I pray that you will take it and you'll multiply it and you'll use it for the purpose of your kingdom. Last, Lord, I just ask that all these people be blessed. I pray, God, that a spirit of thanksgiving would be on us all the time, that we would go to bed with thanksgiving in our hearts, that we would wake up with thanksgiving in our hearts, that we would be praising you with, the, with thanksgiving from our lips, that our thoughts would be thankful, God, and that you would continue to transform us into the perfect likeness of your awesome and wonderful Son. And I pray this in Jesus' name.